As I said already, we have a great and joyous occasion for coming to get and gathering together this evening as we um, plan to call and install uh, two new deacons to our congregation. And we are here tonight for a very important and significant occasion, and it's important that we see the dignified office that these men are being called to by our congregation, the spiritual office that they will hold in Christ church and the weightiness of that matter. But I think that this office is one that is actually often neglected in our day, one that's often not seen for the glory and the greatness um, that, are, that the Word tells us. It's either kind of seen as a glorified janitor in some cases, or it's sort of elevated to this position of equal to an elder. But I think that as we come to God's Word this morning, as even though we, we see that this office is, is often misunderstood as we go to the Scriptures, and as we saw in the book of Acts already, that this is a very significant and important office for Christ Church. If you look with me, if you have a copy of your Scripture, um, if you wanted to turn to Acts chapter 6, that's where we'll be looking mostly this evening. At Acts chapter 6, the verses that we looked at already, verses 1 through 7, we see the importance of this office. And if you go through the book of Acts, what we have seen as you go through the book of Acts, that upon Christ's resurrection from the dead, His ascension to the right hand of the Father, and His session at His right hand, we, He has poured out His Spirit upon His church, and we've seen even very early on in this very early apostolic church that Christ is building His church by the power of the Spirit. Christ has poured out His Spirit upon His resurrection, and He is building His church. And he's doing this not by social programs, not by political programs, but by the proclamation of the gospel, the Spirit-filled preaching of Christ from the Old Testament. And what is being written is the New Testament, that the church of God, as we look to the book of Acts, is being built by the preaching of the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, ultimately for the glory of God. Of God. But as we also see very early on in the book of Acts, there's trouble afoot. <laughs> there's conflict. There's trouble. There's many threats to this early church threats from within and threats from without. Conflicts arising, both doctrinal in nature. What is this church going to believe? What is its practice going to look like? So there's doctrinal conflict that arises. But as we see in Acts chapter 6, there is also practical conflict that arises. How are these practical matters going to be resolved? And as we've seen here in chapter uh, 6 of the book of Acts, these are no small and light threats to the church. Even though they might seem like maybe insignificant things to us, they are actually very serious threats, issues that could hinder the ministry of Christ's church. And these threats are no less present in our day, right? It doesn't take long to think about doctrinal threats that are threatening Christ's church. There's also practical threats to the church of the living God. And so we should not expect anything less from the church today. But as we look to Scripture, we see that God has not left His church with no helps, with no devices, with no, with 
nothing to fend. He's not left the church to fend for itself, but rather he has blessed it with the offices of elder and deacon, not only providing pastors and elders for the spiritual nourishment of God's people, but the office of deacon to serve and provide the physical nourishment for God's people and to care for their temporal and practical needs. And so as we look at God's Word this evening, we'll see not only the importance of the ministry of the Word, but what we'll call the ministry of the table or the ministry of the deacon. So if you want to follow along with me, we'll look at three points this evening. We'll look at the origin of the office in Acts chapter 6. We'll look at the qualifications for the office. And then finally, we'll look at the charge of this office that God has given as we prepare to call and install these two brothers this evening. So as we look at Acts chapter 6, we see that the first of these practical conflicts that arises in this early church is that of um, these widows, that the church we see in the very first verse is increasing in number. God is gathering people to his church. This early church is growing in number, but it is also increasing in the practical needs There are widows. There are people that have lost their spouse. They're in great need. They have no one to provide for them. And there's an issue that has arisen in this practical nature. And we see that a complaint has arose in the congregation. Some of the widows were being neglected in this distribution that was happening. They were feeding those that could not feed themselves. The Hellenistic Jews were being neglected. These were the Greek-speaking widows, and they were being neglected in this distribution. And as I've sort of hinted at, this could have been bad for the early church, right? This could have been a small thing that grew into a much larger thing. All it takes is a little bickering, a little division, a little conflict for um, something like this to turn into a much bigger issue. And we see that the threat here is not only that this complaint would come to divide the church or destroy the church, But we also see that this practical and vital concern might take the apostles, the elders, away from this ministry of the word. And we see that that is actually their main concern. They say, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. That those appointed to preach and teach the word would be so distracted, so consumed by the practical matters that this ministry of the Word would suffer. That's the threat. That's the fear, is that this ministry of the Word, the proclamation of the gospel that God is using to grow His church, the threat is that that ministry would be diminished. It would suffer because of the vital and essential practical needs, but um, not as essential as the ministry of the Word. We know that Satan will use whatever devices he can to undermine Christ's church. It could be a doctrinal issue, and sometimes those happen in the church, but he can also use these practical concerns to distract or destroy the work of Christ's church. And so we see that it's essential that the church address this issue at the very beginning. And so in Acts chapter 6, we see that that's what the apostles do. Those that were commissioned by Christ, sent by him, sort of the prototype for the office of elder, they are summoned and they summon the whole church together to address this issue that could undermine the ministry of the word. And we see that they do three things here. They do three things. They select, 
They confirm and they ordain. They select, they confirm, and they ordain. We see in verse 2 that they pick out from among the people. That it is the congregation that, that selects these men. They pick out from among them these men that will serve as deacons. And in the same way, Alex and Andrew were nominated by our church to be trained as deacon candidates. They were nominated to go through testing and training for this office. Um, They were not just chosen by me. They were nominated by the congregation to test their meetness and their fitness for this office. So we see the selection in verse chapter 2, but we also see the confirmation. We see in verse 5 that it pleased the whole gathering that it was the vote of the congregation, this common suffrage of the congregation, that the church was voting to call these men to this office. We see similar language in Acts chapter 15. You'll see it often. It says, it seemed good to them. It seemed good to them that this is the idea of the people being united in purpose, that yes, this is indeed what God is doing, and we are confirming that by calling these people. It pleased the whole gathering. But we see finally in verse, in verse 6 that they not only select, they not only confirm these men, but they ordain them. We see in verse 6 that the apostles lay their hands on these men and pray for them. These proto-elders are, are called to pray and ordain and install these men into the office. And that's what we'll be doing later tonight. And so we see that this is not some unilateral decision made by either the elders or the congregation, but is this beautiful concurrence, this working together of God's church, right? We have the congregation nominating, we have the elders training and testing. We see the elders present these men as qualified. Yes, they are able to do this office, but we see the church calling these men to serve in this way. This is the glory of Christ's church, right? His beautiful body that he has purchased with his own blood. And But we also see in these verses the importance of this office, what we'll call the ministry of the table, right? It says it's not right that we should give up the ministry of the word to serve or deacon or this ministry of the table. That deacons are those that are called to serve, to deacon. They are called to, if I can use it as a verb, to to minister in this table, or as one pastor put it, to keep the poor's table full, right? This is the work of a deacon, that Christ cares not only for the spiritual nature of his people, the spiritual concerns of his people, but the physical needs of God's people. Just as elders are called to serve or deacon or minister the Word of God, deacons are called to serve and minister at the table. So we see very clearly the importance of this office. There's not this sort of hard separation that elders or pastors are never called to serve, right? That's not what we're saying. But there's a distinction of these primary duties. And we also see in the words of the apostles the primacy and the necessity of the ministry of the Word. If there is no ministry of the Word, there's no church. Simply having a mercy ministry is not a church. It's a good thing. It's something that we should do, but it is not 
what is a church. We see the primacy and the necessity of the ministry of the Word. The Word of God must be preached. We see the concern of that with these apostles, but we also see that it is not only that, that God also cares for us body and soul. Body and soul. Yes, the spiritual needs are important, but the physical are not to be neglected. As one pastor said, without daily bread, we die. (laughs) Without the bread from heaven, we die eternally. And so we see the significance of both of these things, both body and soul. We need both the spiritual nourishment that comes from the Word of God, but we also need the physical nourishment. And so the church has to be able to deal with these things. And this church, Covenant, has been able to function at this capacity with um, no deacons, mostly because of the service of its members, (laughs) but the hard work and the service of those that go here. But as a bivocational pastor, all it would take is a very serious practical concern to arise that could threaten the ministry of the Word. And so part of what we're doing here is to show why this nature of the practical concerns is also very important. That's why it was important in Acts chapter 6, and that's why it's important to us today. So we see very clearly from this passage that it's important. But we also see, as we look at the rest of Scripture, that there are qualifications for this office, that it is not just something that anyone can do, but it is only for those that are qualified. We see in Acts chapter 6, these are to be men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, full of faith. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that these men must be dignified, not double-tongued, not saying one thing out of one side of their mouth and then saying another in different company. They are to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And if you look at 1 Timothy, you'll see that the qualifications for elder and deacon are really only different in one respect, and that's the ability to teach. That is unique to the office of elder. But the qualifications for deacon are not some lesser thing. They are very much in accord with what that is of elders. Even their wives are called to be dignified, not slanderers, faithful in all things. We see that this is a very, indeed, spiritual office. It's not a glorified janitor position. It is, indeed, a spiritual office in Christ's church, providing for the physical nourishment, comfort, and encouragement of God's people, comforting the distressed, right? We don't want a bunch of Job's friends helping out in the church. (laughs) They were pretty bad comforters if you have read Job recently, right? They came to Job, he was distressed, he had lost his whole family, and they said, it's your fault. We don't want that. We don't want that. We want men that will hold the mystery of the faith well, that will encourage in godly wisdom and comfort those who are in distress. So that's why it is important that these men are tested and seen to meet the qualifications called by God and His church and qualified um, according to Scripture. But finally, we see the charge of this office. Having looked at the origin and the qualifications, we see the charge that is given to every deacon in Christ's church. That just as pastors are to provide the spiritual nourishment for God's people, the deacons are to provide the physical nourishment necessary for God's people, serving the direct needs of the church that help protect the ministry of the Word, visiting and comforting the distressed. 
encouraging the congregation in acts of mercy and benevolence, anticipating practical needs and seeking to meet those. And we see that this ministry of the table, this ministry of the deacon, does not distract or detract from the ministry of the word, but in every way increases the ministry of the word. What do we see in Acts chapter 6? We see the church is strengthened. Unbelievers are brought into the fold. The ministry of the deacons strengthens Christ's church and equips Christ's church to handle these different conflicts that would arise. And so the charge this morning to Alex and to Andrew is this, it's to be faithful in the work of a deacon, to be faithful in the work of a deacon. And as we know that this will not always be an easy work, right? This will not always be easy. In fact, it will often be very difficult There won't always be thanks for the work that is done, even though we should thank our deacons, right? We should thank them for the work that they do. We should thank them. We should thank anyone that serves in Christ's church, but those thanks will not always be given, and that's not why it's done. The call for you, brothers, this evening, and your call for your office is to be compassionate, to see those that are the least of these, and to care for them to not be calloused as we so often are, right? We see someone in need, and our first assumption is to say, they did this to themselves. What did they do wrong to deserve this? No, the the call of the deacon is to be compassionate, to assume the best about our brothers and sisters, and to seek to meet their needs. But it's also a call to be discerning in this office, because there will be people that will seek to abuse the mercy of the church for their own comfort and gain, right? They might lean on the compassion of someone, and if there's no discernment, they might abuse the mercy and the the blessings and the benefits that the deacons provide. So be compassionate, but be discerning. But we see that there's also a call to be diligent, to be diligent, to see that no one is neglected in God's church, whether that's financially, spiritually, emotionally, socially. Visit the widowed and the lonely. (laughs) Visit those that have no one to care for them. Attend to the depressed and the sorrowful. Care for those that have no one to care for them. And as we kind of step back from all of this, it can be easy to think to ourselves, who can do this? Who can do this work? This is a difficult task. This is not an easy task. And we see that ultimately, the only thing that will sustain you and will sustain us as we endure in this work of the ministry is by looking to Christ, the one who was the true deacon, the the true servant of Christ's church, who, what did he say in the Gospel of Mark? He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. You can translate that to deacon. (laughs) I came not to be served, but to serve. To deacon and what? To give his life a ransom for many. That the God of the universe, the, the Son of God, infinite, eternal God, in the fullness of time, assumed our nature, humbling himself to the point of death, serving and washing the feet of his sinful disciples. What an example we have 
in our Lord of what a true servant is. And so how much more should we, who are sinful, seek to serve those who are also sinful? If our Lord, who knew no sin, could humbly serve us, how much more should we seek to serve the least of these? That this office that God has ordained for His church, this means that He has ordained to care for His people, is a great honor and blessing. And we see that our ultimate example is not one man, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing that will sustain you, brothers, in this office is not by white-knuckling it, but by looking to our Lord who laid down His life for his sheep. And so that is what we are called to do. That is the task before us. It is not always easy. It will be difficult, but it is a good work. And as we read in 1 Timothy, it, um, it is a great benefit to not only us, but to the faith of Christ. So um, let's pray this morning, and then we'll bring in um, this next part of our service. Let's pray briefly. Lord, we thank you for We thank you for your church. We thank you for this body that you have called together and um, that you are sustaining by your spirit. And we thank you for the gift of these brothers. And we pray that as we look to your word to see what is a deacon and how is that that deacon to function in your church, we pray that you would give us wisdom and strength. And we pray for Alex and Andrew that they would be strengthened for this office and that as this service um, continues tonight, that you would strengthen them, that as they see your church calling them, that they would see ultimately your call to them and that they would answer that. Um, We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.